The body of 34-year-old Nicole Brown Simpson, ex-wife of O.J. Simpson, was... Found. really believe Kurt Cobain is dead. Millions of people mourned the tragic death of John Lennon today. Struggles to come to terms with the death of Princess Diana. Waiting for... That's the problem we had last time, I'm sure. That's what it was, yep. So, as long as it's blue, we're good. Okay. The, um... The, uh, Neighbors? squeaking. Yeah. It happened again last night. Did it? I was home alone, and I have no internet at the moment because I can't figure out that bullshit. What's wrong I with it? I don't fucking know how to Seems hook to it up. Seems to be working. I know, but it's like, so like my, my, my it connects. Is it working on your yeah, phone? Yeah, it like connects yeah. to Wi-Fi. Yeah. But then that has no internet connection, and I don't know why. I don't know. It's an Android okay. thing, but he's asleep, so. Yeah. Anywho, he wasn't here. And it right. was last night, so I had no Wi-Fi, so I couldn't watch Netflix anything. or Amazon or anything. Yeah. So I'm just laying in bed playing on my phone, and all I hear is just squeak, 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 squeak. squeak. And it just got faster, <laughs> and I'm like, no, I can't deal with this right now. Well, you know that's on a trampoline. <clears throat> yeah, well, for those of you who don't know, um, there was an episode that we recorded that got lost. And oh, the lost episode. The lost episode. Um, and there was a couple that my upstairs neighbors that were copulating just above our heads. And it made Super for exciting. Very awkward conversation. You could totally hear it too. On the could you? Real oh bad. man, we should put a sound bite of that. I think I have point. it. It's on the the little short eight minute one. Okay, well, um, but it's on maybe, there. Maybe so. maybe you might throw a little clip in and be throw like, it on in. Yeah, yeah, here's what we were talking. Here about. Here we go. So, do you hear the same thing? For those of you listening to this, the episode that dropped last Thursday is the one we're talking about that we've just started oh, yeah. recording because <laughs> it's future, right? Yes. Uh, what is that noise? Whoever's walking upstairs, or are they having sex upstairs? What is happening? Definitely sounds like they're having sex upstairs, <laughs> doesn't it? I guess. <laughs> oh. Why? Okay, so we never oh, record at my apartment ever again. Deal. Deal. Um, okay, well, hi, I'm Stephanie. I'm Erin. And this is Fame and Misfortune. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be confused with, like, Fame in Disneyland or whatever <laughs> was happening last episode, but sorry. Uh, yes. It was theme parks. Would you or would you not? Right. Um, but we are a true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. When we want to be. When we want to be, sometimes also other types of podcasts, but um, we true both. crime with the focus around celebrities, and again, they're not A-list celebrities, these are just anybody who's been semi-famous or famous in the time that they existed, um, or the industry that they're in. Yep, notable famous people. Also, yeah. we are we're kind of girly. Yeah, which so. I think lends to a little bit of a different, um, just to show that pretty girls like true crime too and also mm-hmm. not pretty girls or whatever not that right. anybody's not pretty but the thing that's is not what i'm saying that nobody should be boxed in because of like outward their, appearances right exactly mm-hmm. so yes i very much like like bows and purple's my favorite color and yes i do have a life-size unicorn bust hanging on my living room wall you do but guess what else i could tell you every single fact that there is about charles manson that's so impressive yeah i'm with you on that I mean, I don't really care to look into whole much about Charles Manson, but, you know, um, 
I mean, even my boyfriend would tell you that there's some outward thoughts about me that um, come across mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily true. So, <laughs> I suffer from RBF. Well, yeah. That and the fact that you're, like, short and, like, pretty and, like, your makeup's always on point. You're, like, you put off a very mean girl vibe. Yes. Like, it's Well, that's what he told me, that it was very intimidating to, to like, uh-huh. come up to I told you about my first day at work, right? No. Like, the first day I saw you at work, you're wearing the buns and, like, that, the shirt that you gave me, actually. The one that doesn't fit me. The only one that doesn't fit me. Okay, so I have my hair up. Can I have my hair up? You had your hair up in two buns, like, space buns. I don't wear two buns. It was the first day. No, I don't wear two buns. I swear you did. No, I never have. I don't know how to do it. Maybe it was one bun. I don't know what it was. It would have just been one bun. Maybe. If I did anything. Maybe they were low buns. Or I had, like, I usually sometimes wear it up in, like, a little top knot and, like, my hair dress of it down. That's about as bunned as I get. Because I don't know how to do the double bun. I'm pretty sure I don't look cute with double buns. It was, like, opening weekend. No, I would have just worn, like, a bun. No, I had it up opening weekend. I did have it up Mm -hmm. in a bun. Either way. Yeah. I walked in. You're wearing that, the black tank top with, like, the ruffly sleeves. Yep. And you have the tattoos all over. Yep. Your makeup's on point. Thank you. And I'm (laughs) I'm walking by, and I'm like, who is that chick? She looks so cool. She's a person. Like, clearly, obviously. I mean, we're going to bleep that part out, because I don't know if we're allowed to say brands here. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. But, um... I don't see why not. You just had that look, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, intimidated instantly. Like, the moment that I saw you. And so then I didn't talk to you for months because, Well, thank you. People. But also, just goes to show you that that's, you know, I can't do much about the outward side of me because I have the RBF. My makeup has to be on point. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. If I had dark hair, I mean, I used to have black hair, you'd probably find me a lot more intimidating. You think? I don't know. I feel like you with dark hair Like, with jet black hair? Yeah, because remember you had the well, brown see, but that's how like I, a day. Yeah, a day. My roots, my dark roots. Right. It was like a week. Give me some credit. I don't know. I feel like you were more By like the next week, I had changed. I don't know. Blondes intimidate me. I think it's because I got picked on by well, blondes. Well, see, I feel like when... Um, I feel like black on black on black on black is harsh. Well... Well, I love black. Trust me. I wear... I love wearing right. all black. That's not the issue. But I worked at a salon and I had black hair. Sure. But then I just felt like, at some point... It was overkill? It was overkill. I needed to soften it away. And I actually thought blonde made me more approachable, but only because blonde's my natural hair color. It's not like I went, right. I have, like, dark hair and I want to be something right. different. <clears throat> like, blonde is my natural color. So, so it felt <clears throat> most like it would make me more, make me a little softer. But I think blondes, blonde women in general... I say woman, I guess, because I'm almost 30. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, which I will be saying until I'm 30, and then I'm sure it'll be fine, and life will go on, and it'll be fine, but it's, it's gonna be really like difficult. It's Friends, where Rachel comes out of the bedroom and goes back in it eight different times, because it's her 30th birthday. Yes, She's just like, like that. No, nope, just know what to, to wear. Yeah, not ready, I'm not ready to begin. Um, I have a lot of celebrations up until that point, but I'm still not really prepared for it. <laughs> um, anyway... I guess I think most people do find blondes more intimidating in general. Sure. Brunette girls, I think, get the approachable girl next door vibe. I think that's what I have, and I don't fucking know why, because I'm not No, because you're so sweet and cute, and you're so Kill tiny. Me, please. Like, I think, I don't know that anyone understands exactly how much I hate 
people and like talking to people and like being around people. So what you're saying is you actually have the personality that I give exactly. off. Exactly. I am extraordinarily And the way you are at work. Yeah. Is and the so way approachable that, appearing, is that really maybe how I actually am exactly. sometimes? So we're switched, essentially. Yes. It's like, I'm... So it's like I Freaky Friday. <laughs> um, as long as I'm <laughs> Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis and not Lindsay Lohan, I'm happy. Yeah, I'll take Lindsay. It's fine. Oh, God. She's a hot mess. Oh, yes. But she's apparently found peace in the Middle East. Oh, kill me. Just <laughs> saying. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I look... Everybody wants to be my fucking friend. It's always been that way. Like since nobody ever middle wants high to be school, my friend. Everyone wants to be my friend, and no one I wants to be my friend. People. So if I actually talk to you, it's like a thing. Like it's a. It's so you should feel honored. Is By the way, it's Aaron's job to literally talk to people. I fucking hate people. I just don't like. You them. work in the wrong thing. That I remember. I was sitting. Yeah, very much so. No, I love my job and I love what I do. It's just I. You know what it is. I don't hate people. I hate. Stupid people, A. Oh, well, who doesn't? And B, being obligated to talk to stupid people. But it gets hard when people make stupid comments or make you do stupid things to not react. Or, like, people are obnoxious, which a lot of people are. Okay. Okay. I remember being in, like, high school, and I I was sitting next to this girl, Bethany. And Bethany was... Your typical sixteen-year-old, bubbly, happy, everything's great. Let's talk about my boyfriend. What bands do you like? I. Literally every day would tell her, oh, this is great, and I hate you, and stop talking. Well, I shouldn't say that. I think I did have that bit of a, I, like, would laugh all the time, but then a boy in gym class told me that I laughed too much, so then I stopped laughing. And he wasn't even a cute boy. It's not like he was, like, somebody I liked and was, like, trying to impress him or something, but then I was like, oh, maybe I do laugh too much. And I think high school's very important, and, like, I was kind of that bubbly personality, Mm -hmm. But then just, like, so, people telling you not to be that way. Or, I like, moved, high school is a real personality oh teardown yeah. and I changes from, everything. Um, from Texas to Florida mm-hmm. in uh, fifth grade, actually. So it was, like, okay. the end of elementary So that's school. a big deal. Cause, like, and that's when I moved here and I got picked on by three girls all named Caitlin. They were all blonde. Oh, um, is that why you held <clears> it against me? And then there was a Krista who okay. was also blonde. And they were relentless. Oh, and there was an Emily also a blonde. They were horrendous to me. Like, they were really fucking mean. Like, imagine, like, Regina George kind of mean. And so, that was just the worst, and I hated everything, and the entire year was awful. Before that, I was, like, really happy. I was on the cheer team. I was, like, you know, your typical bubbly girly girl. Whatever. Um, and then the next year, sixth grade started, Um, And this one girl walked up to me and asked why I always stuck my chest out when I walked, which, if you don't know, I have giant boobs. Always, always have. It's been a thing. Right. So she's like, why are you trying to stick out your chest when you walk? And I'm like, I'm not. I just have boobs. It's a thing. And so from there, it just kind of went downhill. And I've hated people ever since. I mean, yeah. So... It's really important. I just um, don't like people. Anywho, the whole point is, I give off this vibe that everybody wants to be my friend. And Bethany, the girl who was sitting next to me in high school, uh, was one of them. And every day I would be like, hi, can you maybe stop talking? Exactly like that. And she would be like, oh, oh, oh you're so funny. That's so funny. Ha, ha, ha. She didn't she believe me. She never you. got the hint. She always thought I was joking. I'm like, no, Bethany I just wanted to be your friend. Hate you. Can you go away, please? Bethany just wanted to. Do you actually hate me? No. If, you, if I hated you, I would tell you, and you would know. 
Like, because I would say things like that. Like, hi, ha, 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 stop talking. Okay. And, you know, I don't do that to you. But. Okay. I guess it's my turn. Yes, it is your turn. And we'll talk about other people to hate. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm going back into the porn pond, if you will. Porn pond. I like it. Porn pond. Thank you. Welcome to our porn pond. (laughs) You'll notice there's no pee in it. (laughs) There might be. There's a lot of pee in it. There's a lot of pee in it. Um, So I'm going to talk about John Holmes, a.k.a. John Curtis Holmes, a.k.a. John Duvall, a.k.a. Johnny Wad. The list. Oh, Long John Wad. I mean, the list could keep going. There's like like 30 names on here. I think I want a t-shirt that says Long John Wad. King Wad, John Footlong, the Duke of Wad... Wizard of Wad, <laughs> the Sultan of Smut, Wad Wizard. So, I like it. Yeah, it, I would again, love that rap sheet. That AKA, Long yeah, John like Wad. to have like a- AKA. <laughs> <laughs> so have, like good. a thousand nicknames. Okay. Could you imagine being the like the court presenter and having to read all of them off? If that was like a case, yep, I would love that. <laughs> would literally love it. Um, he's. Better known as John C. Holmes or Johnny Wad, which is the lead character he portrayed in a series of related films. Um, these would be porn films, if you're not familiar, pornographic videos. Hence the long John Wad name. When you used to have to buy actual tapes to watch porn, so this is not internet. Oh, so this is like this is to go old. to the video store and walk in yes. the back and show mm-hmm. your ID and yep. that's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Behind the curtain type Make thing. Make sure that you use hand sanitizer before you walk in because... Right. And um, after you walk out... Yep, he was born August 8th, 1944. Um, so before he was Johnny Wad, um, he was born in the small rural town of Asheville, Ohio, not to be confused with North Carolina. There's no E in the middle of this Asheville. Mm. Um, it's 25 miles about south of Columbus. He was the youngest of four children, born to 26-year-old Mary June Barton Holmes, but the name of his father, who was a railroad worker, Carl Estes, is left blank on his birth certificate. So he has um, his stepfathers. Well, not even stepfather. The father of his three older siblings' last name. Hmm. So Mary had married Edgar Harvey Holmes, who was the father of her three other children. Oh, maybe this. The, I don't know. Somebody married younger somebody. siblings. Yeah. Dale, Edward, and Anne. She and Holmes were married and divorced three times, as is documented by wedding certificates dated April 13th, 1936, August 13th, 1945, and September 12th, 1947. So tumultuous, let's say. Yes. Um, At the time of their first marriage in 1936, Edgar was 35 years old and divorced, while Mary was 17. Yeah, after divorcing her for for the third time and final time, Edgar and Mary each married one more time. That makes me feel... I just feel gross. Yeah. Like, I want to It's a lot. Um, Mary changed John's surname to Holmes when he was a child in 1986 when Holmes applied for a U.S. passport for the first time prior to a trip to Italy. Um, Every time you say Holmes, I'm imagining H.H. Yes. Yeah. So, potentially related. (laughs) Not entirely sure. Um... Mm -hmm. Considering they came from that area, Ohio. Mm. So, but his father's real name is Estes, so it would not um, really be. I refuse to believe that. Okay. <clears throat> In 
Anyway, he had to have a handwritten copy of his original birth certificate, which is how he ended up finding his biological father. Um, she, his mother was said to be a devout Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. with her children regularly attending a church in Millport, um, where he actually had perfect attendance. Mm. Um, in contrast, his stepfather, Edgar, was an alcoholic who would come home inebriated, stumble about the house, and even vomit on the children. So, not a great house. Very turbulent. Um, what are you talking about? Your dad never threw up on you? No. Did yours? <laughs> I mean, probably. Probably. Mine, At one point. No. <laughs> um, he, he would enjoy a reprieve from the home and he'd go visit his maternal grandparents. So, he would get a break. But Hooray! No one puked on me today. Yeah. Um, it's the little things, you know? Correct. So she divorced Edgar when Holmes was a toddler and moved with her children to Columbus, where they lived in a low-income apartment project with a friend of Mary's and her own two children. So there's five kids, Mm -hmm. two adults. In the projects. In the projects. In Ohio. Yeah, which is grim. On its own. Yeah. Um, So the two women worked as clerks and waitresses in order to support their young children. So we have two hardworking single moms. Mm Just trying to provide for five kids. Like food and just, like... Yeah. And yep. the cost of living wasn't even that high then. And, right. But you weren't getting paid right. anything. Also, they're women, so they still didn't get paid anything. Correct. So, again, we talked earlier about how they married... Each of his parents married one more time. Um, his mother married... When Holmes was seven, his mother married Harold Bowman on December 31st, 1951. Mm-hmm. Um... Shortly afterward, Holmes and his family moved from Columbus and settled in the small town of Patascala? Patascala? Patascala, that sounds Sure. About 10 miles east, so not too far. Um, He recalled, Holmes recalled that Bowman was a good father until Holmes' younger half-brother David was born, at which point Bowman reportedly lost interest in his stepchildren and began neglecting them. Hmm. So, I'm guessing this is a fifth child, or a fourth child? fourth child no fifth child because there's him dale edward Anne. that's four and now we've got a fifth okay for his mother um hmm. so i'm guessing david got all the attention mm-hmm. the other four mm-hmm. not so much um he left the home at age 15 and enlisted in the u.s army with his mother's written permission um he spent most of the three years of his military service in west germany in the signal corps Upon his honorable discharge in 1963, Holmes moved to L.A., where he worked in a variety of jobs, including selling goods door-to-door, which we had somebody else in our podcast doing, mm-hmm. um, and tending to the vats at a coffee nips factory. Coffee nips. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I'm assuming that's a candy. Remember nips were, like, a lifesaver right. thing? Like the... But I'm imagining, like, those are nibs, right? No. Dips. No, I'm no, thinking dips. They were called <laughs> nips. Um, no. They Maybe. weren't called nips. Jesus. Yes. No, they were like the caramel, and they were like almost a hard candy, but like not really, and go on. Okay. Um, I'm imagining like nips, like like something to eat, like a little... Yeah. Like a snack. Yeah. But like coffee and snacks kind of thing, right? Mm, I don't know. I need to Google it. I should have Googled it. I didn't. <laughs> um, he also had a stint as an ambulance driver, which is where he met... His wife, Sharon Gabanini, Gabanini, in December of 1964. They were married by August 21st, 1965. The 60s were a fast-moving era, as we all know. 
um, after Holmes had just turned 21. So, mind you, he's very young. He's a baby. Baby, baby. Um, so, in 65, after they, in April of 65, so just ahead of the marrying, um, he found work as a forklift driver at a meatpacking warehouse in nearby Cudahy? C-U-D-A-H-Y. C-U-D-A-H-Y? Mm-hmm. Anyway, not Goodie? Sure. Um, Goodahy? So, unfortunately, repeated exposure to the freezing air in the large walk-in freezer, and after being outside inhaling the desert hot air, it caused him severe health problems, leading to pneumonia tracts of his right lung on three separate occasions during the two years he worked there. That's right. I was pre-med. Yeah. So, you're very up on all of this. Yeah. Thank God. Mm -hmm. Um, Sharon also had health problems, as during the first 17 months of her marriage to Holmes, she miscarried three times. So, very tragic. I'm sure that was very... Right. Also, I would like to point out that at that time, they didn't have access to doctors and to uh, medical equipment that we do, so there was really no way to tell if she was going to be okay with the blood loss and all that. Correct. Um, And it was very scary. Childbirth during those times on its own is terrifying so miscarrying and losing all that blood and the pain that comes with it is and even for like people in the royal family who have access to the best of health care you never knew if somebody would be able to make it not all the electronic monitoring it's a whole thing that like half of parents or mothers die Mm -hmm. in childbirth it's still a very very relevant thing yes it is a very relevant even with all the technology we have today it's Mm -hmm. very relevant um so, it doesn't exactly say how he got into the porn business, but he does. Um, he, his... And this is John. This happened in 1971. So, this is six years after... Still married, as far as I know. It doesn't say that they're not at this point. Um, and whatever, he went on to adult films. So... It is said that he was known for his exceptionally large penis, which was heavily promoted as the longest, thickest, and hardest in the adult film industry. Although there is no documented measurement of Holmes' actual penis length, girth, or tumescence has never been confirmed. So, that's what's been said, um, but no evidence of it. Um, Also... John Holmes was to the adult film industry what Elvis Presley was to rock and roll. He simply was the king. Mediocre. Really? <laughs> Cinematographer Bob Voss in the documentary Watt, The Life and Times of John C. Holmes. So if you want to watch that, he apparently is important enough to have a documentary about him. So Excellent. if you're interested in anything else about him, go for it. So again, in 1971, his career began to take off. So that means at some point he was already doing this. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't say when he really got into it. Um, so he was an adult film series built around a private investigator named Johnny Wad, written and directed by Bob Chin. The success of the film, Johnny Wad, created an immediate demand for follow-ups, so Chin followed up the same year with Flesh of the Lotus. Most of the subsequent Johnny Wad films were written and directed by Chin and produced by the Los Angeles-based company Freeway Films. I bet he had a giant bush. Oh, God, probably. It was the 70s. Yeah, all of them. Lots of gold chains. Yep. Yeah, um, you can see a picture of him-ish here. Um, so there you go. He gives me um, James Franco vibes. I was literally just thinking that. He does look very James Franco. Except, like, if James Franco had a very, very hard life and worked at a steel mill for a while. Correct. But I'm wondering, I know he did some sort of weird porn movie. I'm wondering if that's who he was betraying. Hmm. I don't know. Um, anyway, 
With the success of Deep Throat 1972, Behind the Green Door in 1972, and The Devil and Miss Jones 1973, porn became chic, as Mm -hmm. we all know. Mm -hmm. Um, Although its legality was still hotly contested, and it still is to this day. Um, Holmes was arrested during this time for pimping and pandering. So there is a little bit more on the side than just being in porn. Um, But he avoided prison time by repeatedly becoming an informant for the LAPD. What is so, pandering? Pandering, I believe, is like seeking out like people to Got it. Okay. like come and join <clears throat> or and or take part in. Got like it. when you're on the streets in Vegas and they hand you cards of girls. Ah, okay. Things like that. Um, okay. So Holmes had a handler during his time as an informant, and that was LAPD Vice Detective Thomas Blake. Of his involvement with Holmes, all Blake had to say was it was a pleasure working for him. Hmm. So I don't know what Blake was getting on the side for working with him, but it seems like he was perfectly acceptable to work with. I'm wondering um, if it was that um, that long job he was getting. Could be. Hmm. Um, so by the late 70s, Holmes was alleged to be earning as much as $3,000 per day as a porn performer, which is huge for Ooh, those yeah. times. Um, so he's on top of the fucking world. Correct. So, also around this and time... And this is all still taking place in Ohio, or is it in California? This is L.A. Okay. We're in L.A. Um, <clears throat> also around this time, his consumption of cocaine and freebasing were becoming a increasingly serious problem. Yeah, because it's now the, the 70s, so sex, drugs, rock and roll, it's a whole thing. Yes. Literal lifestyle. Correct. Um, but it was also affecting him professionally, and mm-hmm. not because he couldn't wake up or be lively to go to work. He was his ability to maintain an erection had been mm-hmm. um, very apparent by his flaccid performance in *Insatiable*, which came out in 1980. I'm sure you can which find it on YouTube. Nobody enjoys or any of these on right. YouTube, probably. Um, so, in order to support himself and his newfound drug habit, mm-hmm. well, not newfound, but insatiable drug mm-hmm. habit, um, Holmes ventured into crime by selling drugs for gangs, prostituting himself to both men and women. Mm-hmm. So, I'm assuming he's not married at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, he very well could be, but again, doesn't say. I'm assuming he's not, because mm-hmm. from what I read later, he gets married a couple times. Um, I would like to clarify that when we say prostitution, it's not, like, as a dirty thing either. No, 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 no. It's just, like, it's a living. It's what he chose to do. Yeah. Here we are. Mm-hmm. He became a sex worker for both men and women, mm-hmm. um, as well as he was committing credit card fraud and other acts of petty theft. So, it's kind of silly, though, because he makes money. So, essentially, um, he's he's making poor choices. Correct. That's what he's doing. Okay. Then, in, the sev- in 76... Holmes met 15-year-old Don Schiller, whom he groomed and abused. Um, He became desperate for money, and he forced her into prostitution and often beat her, which he did at least once in public. Oh, no. So, he's insatiable in many ways. Mm -hmm. For money, always making a killing in porn, it's not enough. He's still not happy. Right. The drugs, it's not enough. Whatever high he gets from the drugs, it's not enough. So now he's got to go into other avenues. That's a lot of money. So he's making $3,000 a film a day. A day. Yeah. Okay. A day. A day. In the 70s, which equates to, like, easily $5,000 a day now. God, yeah. Easily. Yes. So he's making that much money 
Which, I mean, and let's be real, cocaine is I not... I mean, most people are making that a month. Right. But cocaine is not a cheap habit. Like, no, today, an eight ball of cocaine is, like, easily, I want to say, I would say 175 No, coke is definitely not cheap, but I feel like people... So, he has he's spending roughly, uh, I would say, $100 a day on cocaine, but he's still making 5000 a day in today's time. So, $3,000 a day. Yeah. So, where's the, you know... Rest of it gone. Rest of it. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. Um... You know, big houses, big parties, mm-hmm, big, you know, mm-hmm. things where he couldn't keep up with the payments. So, um, so we'll talk a little bit about his partners, but in 1981, a biographical feature documentary exhausted John C. Holmes, the real story from director and Holmes confidant Julia St. Vincent. Um, Holmes claimed during an interview segment that he had intercourse with 14,000 women. The number had, in fact, been invented by Holmes to help salvage his waning image. So this is somebody who's trying to keep up a lot of appearance mm-hmm. appearances. Um, the true number of women and men with Holmes, with whom Holmes had sex during his career, would never be known. So, right. Um, after his death, his ex-wife Sharon claimed to have come across a footlocker plated in 24 karat gold leaf, which contained photographic references to Holmes' private works, in which she ended up burning. So, hmm. whatever that means, if it was just pictures of all the con, right? Con, like I just don't even know. Like, could you, <laughs> like a Footlocker full? What is a Footlocker? That's like, like what's a trunk. It, like yeah, what would be like at the end of your bed? Okay, so like, like a trunk. What or like what's in the military? They could be smaller. Just depends on the size. I mean, I'm imagining say. like a Footlocker, like a door. No, like Foot Locker is an actual thing. Okay, got it. It's like a yes. trunk. Yeah. So there's a trunk full of his private work. Yeah. So maybe scripts or no photographic references. So I'm assuming films. they're people who. Um, so his side projects. Yeah, I'm guessing it's people he slept with. Yeah, I'm guessing mean. it's probably like Polaroids. Of, so that's where the rest of his money is yeah, going. Conquest are Polaroid film. Like exactly, to fill up his footlocker that's 24 karat gold <clears throat> leaf all over. Oh, also that. Can't forget. Yeah. So, okay. I'm giving you all this background because what I'm really talking about here is the Wonderland murders, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Four on the Floor murders or the Laurel Canyon murders. A.k.a. Long John. That's it. Long John Wad murders. <laughs> um, He's not a victim in this murder. In fact, he is somebody who's accused of this murder. Oh, shit. This murder remains unsolved. Ah. Okay. So, um, so we'll go with that. I like unsolved things, but at the same time, they piss me off, because it's, like, you'll Well, and you know what? Old. Maybe somebody listening who doesn't know about <clears throat> it and needs a new murder to take on. To, like, just dive into? Yeah. Um, maybe wants to. This might be interesting. So, um... This part I'm about to read gets a little crazy, so get out your family tree notebook and follow this line real quick. Okay. In late 1980, a mutual friend introduced Holmes to Chris Cox, okay? Hmm. Hmm. Cox with two X's. Because that's Why not cool. three? I don't know. That makes more <laughs> sense. He owned, a night, he owned the Odyssey nightclub, okay? okay? In turn, Cox introduced Holmes to Eddie Nash a drug dealer who owned several nightclubs, including the Starwood and West Hollywood, okay? Mm-hmm. So, Holmes has been introduced to one friend, that friend's introduced him to somebody else. At the same time, Holmes was closely associated with the Wonderland gang, 
which was a group of heroin-addicted cocaine dealers. Yep, that sounds right. Um, so called for the row house located on Wonder- Wonderland Avenue in the Laurel Canyon neighborhood mm-hmm. of Los Angeles, out of also, which they operated. Probably some people that whom with whom he has probably sold some stuff. Correct. Either so he's, to or alongside. Well, actually, he's frequently sold drugs for the gang. So yeah, he's that been right. yeah. He's one of their little minions, okay. basically. Um, the gang members included Ron Lanius, David Clay Lind, mm-hmm. Joy Gold Miller, Bobby DeVero, mm-hmm. and their thir- and their wheelman Tracy McCourt. Okay. Tracy's a man, not a woman. Okay. Um, so, unfortunately, he used more than his share of the gang's drugs. So, his habit is taking over, and he was in trouble with them. Mm-hmm. Um, in June of 1981, Holmes told the gang's leaders, David Clay Lind and Ron Lanius, about a large stash of, stash of drugs, money, and jewelry that Nash, remember Nash is the drug dealer mm-hmm. and nightclub owner, had in his house. Um, Holmes helped set helped to set up a home invasion and armed robbery that was committed on the morning of June 29th, 1981. Mm-hmm. So, he was not part of the robbery. He wasn't even there. I mean, he was not physically a part of the robbery. Right. Um, but Nash apparently immediately suspected that he had a part in it. Um... He forced Holmes to confess to his participation, and... So, wait, okay, sorry, I wasn't, I was in... It's okay. I know, it's a little bit, it's a lot of back and forth of who and what. No, I was following the whole, he met the people, and then there was a thing, and there were nightclubs, and then drugs, and... Yeah, Mm -hmm. Then I was looking at my shelves, and how I want them arranged. Anywho, it's a whole thing. So... I get it. What happened? There was a robbery? So, he set up a robbery, because he's in trouble with the gang. Okay. So, he is trying... So, he's using all of their drugs gang is pissed. Right. So, so he's trying he's, to get out of trouble. Okay. And what he's saying is I know this guy who's got all this money, drugs, and jewelry. So Steal like I'll him. tell you. And then you give me money. Well, and it's a but not only that, but then I won't be in trouble. Right. Because like I'll tell you who to go rob and you're going to get okay. so much more than what I could give you basically uh-huh. kind of thing. Okay. Like I'll give you this guy's name and like I don't want to be in trouble anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so he helped set up a home invasion, an armed robbery, mm-hmm. which was committed on the morning of June 29th, 1981. So, um, he was not present during the robbery, so he didn't actually go to the house. But he knew and it and set it up. But he set it up, correct. But Nash, the person who was robbed, suspected that Holmes had a part in it. Mm-hmm. Probably, depending on who showed up to do it, he knew Holmes was associated with them. He knows Holmes. How else would those people know that they had, that he had what he did right. without, you know, it's not hard to connect mm-hmm. the dots. Um... So, he forced Holmes to confess about his participation, and he threatened Holmes' life and those of his family. Um, Nash dispatched enforcers and Holmes to exact revenge against the gang. Mm -hmm. So now, he's got to go, like, seek revenge against the gang that's already pissed off at him and that he's tried to make right but now he's being forced to be on the other side and go after the gang. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the early hours of July 1st, 1981, four of the gang's members were found murdered and a fifth severely battered and near death in their row house. Holmes was allegedly present during the murders and left 
a left palm print, apparently not bloody, as the Los Angeles media's outlets covering the story had said. So it wasn't a bloody handprint. It was just handprint. handprint. Um, over one victim's headboard. But it is unclear whether he participated in the killings. However, if that's a row house and he may have been there, he could have slept with somebody in there. Exactly. Especially if it's on a headboard. That's what I was thinking. Right. Like, there's no... There's many reasons why his palm print could be on a headboard. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like that's one of those things that is very circumstantial. He says he wasn't there, right? So, I mean... Well, right, but they know he, like, goes there. Sure. Okay, got it. Um, I mean, in general, they know he's a part of the gang, I'm sure. Um, He was questioned, but released due to lack of evidence. Um, Then after that, he refused to cooperate with the investigation, and he had spent five months on the run with Schiller but then was arrested in Florida on December 4th, 1981 um, by former LAPD homicide detectives Frank Tomlinson and Tom Lang, who later gained fame for their involvement in the O.J. Simpson murder case. Hmm. And he was extradited back to L.A. Um, In March of 1982, Holmes was charged with personally committing all four murders, which seems hard to Mm -hmm. overtake a whole gang of people, especially grown men, Mm-hmm. from one person. Um, after a three-week trial, he was acquitted of all charges except contempt of court on June 26, 1982. The murder trial was a landmark in the history of American trial procedure as it was the first in America in which videotape was introduced as evidence. Oh, 1981, huh? Yep. So, or 82. Mm. Right, 82. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he did end up, after he was released from jail, he continued his or re- resumed his film career with the new generation of porn stars his drug addiction continued on off and on um so <clears throat> in february um 1986 five or six months after testing negative for the virus holmes was diagnosed as hiv positive mm. according to his second wife Lori <clears throat> holmes he claimed that he never used hypodermic needles and that he was deathly afraid of them so more likely a sexual contact thing. Yeah. Um, Which isn't uncommon, especially in the 80s, when it had just started coming about. Correct. And they had said that he, and two other friends and colleagues, confirmed that he would not have contracted HIV from that because he never used needles. Um, well, I mean, cocaine was his drug of choice, too. And, I mean, right. while you can shoot cocaine, most people don't. So Correct. So they all swear he did not... Um, so, during the summer of 1986, he was offered a lucrative deal from Paradise Visuals, which was unaware he was HIV positive, Ooh. to travel to Italy to film what were to be his last two pornographic films. Holmes's penultimate film was The Rise of the Roman Empress, originally released in Italy as Carne Bolente for director Riccardo Schicchi. Mm-hmm. The film starred Holmes, the later Italian parliament member Ilona Stoller, I won't even try to say... Tracy Adams, Christoph Clark, and Amber Lynn. His final film was The Devil and Mr. Holmes, starring Adams, Lynn, Karen Schubert, and Marina Hedman. These last films created a furor when it was revealed later that Holmes had consciously chosen not to reveal his HIV status to his co-stars before engaging in unprotected sex for filming. So, huge deal. Big, giant, huge Um, deal. Awful. Not wanting to reveal the true nature of his failing health, Holmes claimed to the press that he was suffering from colon cancer. I get that. But at the same time... Right. That's not fair. It's not fair. But, I mean, he was also an addict and kind of down on his luck and making poor choices anyway, so... Yeah. It's not surprising, but it's not good. Yeah. 
So um, he did remarry again. Um, he married Lori Rose on January 23rd, 1987 in Vegas after mm-hmm. confiding to her that he had AIDS. During the last five months of his life, he remained in the VA hospital on Sepulveda Boulevard. So if you guys are weird and you want to go visit Sepulveda? it. Yeah. yeah, sure. Go for it. Um, he almost, I looked at apartments on Sepulveda. He died from AIDS-related complications, according to his death certificate, cardiorespiratory arrest, and encephalitis due to AIDS associated with lymphadenopathy and esophageal can esophageal esophageal can candidiasis. Right. Sure. On March thirteenth, nineteen eighty-eight, at the age forty-three, he passed officially. Um. His body was cremated, and his widow, Lori, and Mother Mary scattered his ashes at sea, so all of you can swim in them. Enjoy. <laughs> Yet another reason I don't go in the ocean. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Him and his first wife, Sharon, they divorced 1984, so they were actually married through most of his situation. Mm-hmm. And she was a nurse. Hmm. Um, and then he... I wonder why she... Maybe he became insufferable. Some people do when they get di- diagnosed with, like, an illness. They get really mean and rude. And well, he didn't even know he was diagnosed until 86. So they only got divorced two years before that. Um, Maybe the, and they were still together when he... The whole The weird with the Dawn Schiller thing. Yeah. Um, grooming somebody creepy. And then he remarried in 87. But he met her <coughs> in 82. So okay. who knows how that crossed over. But despite his bad side... He was. He did devote significant time to charities um, involving the environment. So he was really big with Greenpeace. Sure. Um, and he would also campaign and collect door to door for charities such as Save the Whales and Save the Seals. That's cool. Um, he had other hobbies aside from porn. Mm-hmm. He liked clay sculpting, woodworking, outdoor activities, camping, fishing, and hiking. Hmm. Um, so he's very California. He is. So back to his penis size. Um, when an actress did her first scene with John Holmes, this was the moment where she learned if bigger was better or not. There was no other test. So there you go. Um, veteran porn actress Dorothea Sika Patton has said that Holmes' penis was the biggest in the industry. And in the documentary film Exhausted, she described oral sex with Holmes as similar to fellatioing a telephone pole. So. His first wife described recalled him claiming to be 10 inches when he first measured himself. Um, on another occasion, he claimed his penis was 16 inches and 13 inches in circumference. So 16 long, 13 in circumference. That's enormous. I think And probably I not think, accurate. So there is one dude who has, and I want to say it is definitely 13 inches in circumference. I don't know what the length is, um, but I know it's over a foot. And it's this one guy, and he's like, just please take it off of me. I hate everything. Because he, yeah, he can't do anything. So, like, and it's so I do remember that. And, yeah. Um, a long time, so his longtime friend and associate, Bill Amerson, said, I saw John measure himself several times. It was 13 and a half inches. That sounds right. That sounds more accurate. 13 and a half sounds probably a little bit closer to reality. But, yeah. um, I mean, so celebrated was his size that it was used as a promotional tool tool for films in which he did not even appear. Hmm. So, um, it would be like, so, um, the film Anybody But My Husband ran a promotional tagline of Tony the Hook Perez has a dick so big he gives John Holmes a run for his money. So things like that. Like, oh, yep. Um, 
and I assume you see it, so it must be true because well, I'm gonna Google it I point. tried, and not specifically <laughs> his penis size, but I just tried Googling him and looking at pictures in general. Mm-hmm. But, um, so there are some, oh, did it not print these? Oh, the Holmes mythology. Stoked. Um, so, apparently it was so big that he had to stop wearing underwear because I was getting erections and snapping the elastic waistband four or five times a month. Um, he had degrees in physical therapy, medicine, and political science from UCLA. Hmm. Holmes was, in fact, a high school dropout who never returned to school, and according to Bill Amerson, the closest John ever got to UCLA was breaking into cars in the school's parking lot, so that's just, not true. Yeah, I was just yeah. wondering, like... There's just some things that, like, there's been claims that have been kind of outrageous. Um, so he may or may not be a He made these liar. up. Correct. Yes. Um, Holmes and Ken, Ken Osmond, who played Eddie Haskell in the TV series Leave It to Beaver, were the same person. In fact, the two sim- the, when in fact the two men simply shared a passing resemblance, so they are not the same. Don't be confused. Right. Um, also, really quick, am I going too long? Mm-mm. Um, I did print out a little bit more about the Wonderland murders. Um, there were other people, um, arrested. Gregory Dials was somebody else. That was arrested for the murders. Um, so what happened with the robbery was that the Wonderland gang was centered on the occupants of a rented townhouse at 8763 Wonderland Avenue in the Laurel Canyon section of Los Angeles. So if you want to go there, you're all welcome to go there. I don't know if they exist or not still, but I assume so. Um, the leader was Ronald Lee Ron Launus. Lanius, second in command was William Raymond Billy DeVarrell and DeVarrell's girlfriend, Joy Audrey Gold Miller, long ass names, mm-hmm. um, who was also the leaseholder for the townhouse. So, not suspicious by having a female, typically. Sure. Um, Tracy Redmond, Raymond McCourt, and David Clay Lind, all five were involved in drug use and drug dealing. Um, so, all Launius, or Launius, DeVarrell, Lind, and McCourt committed a brutal home invasion on robbery at Eddie Nash's home, resulting in Nash's bodyguard, Gregory DeWitt Dials, being shot and injured. So it was a big deal. Right. Um, Nash had suspected that poor John Holmes had been involved, as he had been at his house three times on the morning of the attack. So here's how So he's no stranger, definitely. Mm-hmm. And to leaving the sliding door open, apparently. Like, he had maybe left a door open. Mm-hmm. For them to come into. Um, Nash sent Dials to retrieve Holmes for questioning. Dials supposedly spotted Holmes walking around Hollywood wearing one of Nash's rings and brought him back. Scott Thorson, Liberace's former boyfriend who was in Nash's house to buy drugs, claimed he witnessed Holmes being tied to a chair and repeatedly punched until he revealed the assailant's identities. Hmm. So that's just 1970s, 80s justice for you. Yep, there we are. Um... So the murders happened um, around 3 a.m. on July 1st, two days after the robbery. Um, a number of identified men entered the Wonderland Avenue townhouse and bludgeoned to death Lanius, Deverell, Miller, and Richardson, Lynn's girlfriend, who Jesus. had been visiting. So she has nothing even, like, to <clears throat> do with anything. Except that her name is on the lease. Um, is it she, Richardson, who's the lease girl? No. Shit. Joy Miller is the lease. This girl, she just been visiting. Literally was just visiting. Her just place. visiting. 
Well, fuck. And she's um, bludgeoned? Jesus. Yep, the weapons were believed to be hammers and metal pipes. Oh, God. Richardson's bloodied body was found in the living room beside the couch where she had been sleeping for the night. Miller was found on her bed. She's the least girl. Mm-hmm. With DeVero at the foot of the bed in an upright position leaning against the TV stand. A hammer was also found on the bed. Lanius was found beaten to death on his bed with his gravely injured wife, Susan, beside him on the floor. Both bedrooms have been thoroughly searched despite suffering severe brain damage in the attack. Susan ultimately survived and recovered, although she was left with permanent amnesia regarding the night of her attack. Oh had to have part of her skull surgically removed and lost part of one finger. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Neither Lind nor McCourt, who are members of the gang, were present for the attack as Lind was consuming drugs with a male prostitute called Sheila Watts in a motel and McCourt was at his own home. Lynn died of a heroin overdose in 1995, and McCourt died in 2006. Although neighbors would later report having heard screams around 3 a.m., so people heard this. Right. And this is the bystander effect everybody talks about. The fucking Kitty Genovese situation. Yes. So sad. Awful. Yeah. Um, if you have not seen that documentary on Netflix. Oh, you have to watch it. Yes. What's it called? The S- Neighbor? Strangers? No. No, that's the other one. It's I don't a really know, good one. but find it. Look it up. Just Google Kitty It's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Her brother. I mean, awful. Um, No phone calls were placed to the police until 4 p.m. So we're going 13 hours later. Shit. On July 1st, over 12 hours later, when furniture movers working at the house next door to the crime scene heard Susan moaning and went to investigate. So the one She's been laying Mm -hmm. there, brain damaged, Mm -hmm. with a fucking finger halfway severed. Yep. For 13 hours. Yep. In a pool of not only her blood, but also her Everybody else's. Yeah. Jesus. Um, The house was notorious for around-the-clock mayhem and debauchery, and when questioned neighbors said the Woodnerland gang's drug-fueled parties often included loud, violent, screaming, and disruptive noise. Sure. So when they heard the murders occurring, they simply believed another party was taking place. Okay, I get that. Yeah, but still. I don't know. Um, So we all know what happened with the trials, um, but, Yeah. Basically, that's the story of the murder that actually took place. Um, even on his deathbed, Holmes refused to answer the detective's inquiries about whether or not he took part in the murders or to divulge anything else about his involvement. But I don't know why they're not looking at Nash. Yeah. But during an interview several years following Holmes's death, Gabini Holmes stated that Holmes had come to her house the morning after the killings. This was his first wife. With blood splattered all over his clothes, he was personally in- uninjured and did not give her any details to explain the condition of his clothing. Um, in 1990, Nash was charged in California State Court with having planned the murders, and Diles was charged as a participant. Thorson testified against them, but the trial ended with a hung jury vote of 11 to 1 for conviction. A second trial in 1991 ended in acquittal for both Nash and Diles. And Dials died from liver failure in 1997. Jesus. Um, in 2000, <clears throat> after a four-year joint investigation involving local and federal authorities, Nash was arrested and indicted on federal charges under the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, a.k.a. RICO, for running a drug trafficking and money laundering operation consp- conspiring to carry out the Wonderland murders and bribing the sole holdout juror of his first trial. Hmm. Nash, already in his 70s and suffering from emphysema and several other ailments, agreed to a plea bargain agreement in September September 2001. 
He admitted to having bribed the loan holdout in his first trial, a young woman with $50,000, and pleaded guilty to the RICO charges and to money laundering. He also admitted to having ordered his associates to retrieve stolen property from the Wonderland house, which might have resulted in violence, including murder, yet he denied having planned the murders. In the end, Nash received a four-and-a-half-year prison sentence and a $250,000 fine. So he's already lived his life, and he's just yes. kind of going to get away with it. He just kind of got away with it. Yep, basically. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure he's the one who planned it. I'm sure he did not just go tell his people to go get my stuff back. There's, like, no way. Like, bludgeoning is so violent and so personal. You know what I mean? If you're going to just rob somebody for some money just because, you're not going to bludgeon everyone to death. If you're going to rob someone for money, you're going to shoot them. You know? Or strangle them or smother them or whatever. Something simple. Bludgeoning is very aggressive. Yeah. It's, I mean, like, it's very personal. Yeah. When you hit people that close with an object like that... It's and you have to be able to do it repeatedly. And you're angry. Yeah. There's a lot of anger. Yeah. So, I feel like he's clearly up to it. He was probably also even there, would be my guess. I mean, I, I, it makes sense to me that he would want to send a message. Yeah. You know? Yes. Entirely. Um, and Holmes may have even been there. I don't... Right. I don't believe his uninvolvement... Well, I can see him getting roped in... Because he had their money or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's, and it's a shame that poor woman who has no involvement, I mean, both Susan and, you know, other than being with people and maybe not the best choices of partners, because neither of them were the people who held the lease or had any involvement with the gang other than being there and maybe doing some drugs mm-hmm. and just having a boyfriend. Right. One was murdered and one's, you know, left brain dead. And stuff and has to live with that every day. Right. And there's men out there who did this who are living with that Still every day. Just mm-hmm. Keep it on. Yep. Get to enjoy life. Which Can makes you me wonder guilt. I mean, how many more did they do it to though? Or do they have guilt? Or do they even have it? I don't know. Could have been so drug fueled that you might exactly. not even like No. Crazy. Yikes. So Okay, well on that note, um if you'd like to dig into who all <laughs> might have done that, yep. might be a good thing to do. Um, You're welcome for a project. Um, okay. All right. See you right there. Listen to this. We'll be back. Honestly. Logan of Honestly, a podcast. Honestly, a podcast touches on everything and anything from pop culture, boy bands, current events, and work horror stories to mental health, problematic faves, body positivity, and so much more. 
from reliving our One Direction fangirl days, which, let's be honest, never ended, to ranting about the state of the world and reciting entire vines, we've got you covered. Honestly, it's a chat-style podcast, and as two people who don't know how to be serious, you can expect us to go where the conversation goes and do a whole lot of giggling and making bad jokes in between. We post new episodes every Friday. Give us a listen and let us know what you think. Two idiots trying their best. Maybe honestly, can be our always. Bye! Ads working or no? Mm-hmm. Okay. How'd you like my story? It was fucking wild. Drugs and AIDS and yeah. porn, oh my. I never um, heard of it before, so as I mentioned, <laughs> following one of those weird links that's like yeah. 25 people. end up on YouTube and then yeah. somehow you're watching someone in... Yep fucking Saudi Arabia getting their pimples extracted, which yeah. is great for the record, right. but okay, um, well, this week I wanted to do so I've been getting a lot of like a lot of questions about under eye lately yes, okay, um, so for our skin tip or makeup or whatever tip, um, this week I wanted to kind of touch on dark circles um, and under eye like bags and concealing and creasing and all that. Um, so, for those of you who are like me and you're you have a darker complexion, your skin tone, like your bags, tend to be darker. Right. So they're like they're more prominent. Sure. Um, a really good thing to kind of like cover them is uh, like a peach concealer is going to really help layering that under a foundation or a regular concealer. Right. Is going to help. A million times. Definitely. Um, so, I do recommend that. To be honest, I know a lot of people come in and they're like, they want the lazy, quick mm-hmm. way. And so, unless you're going to treat them and take the time to help exactly. treat them, you have to do a color correcting, which is an extra step. You cannot just use a regular it's concealer. It's not going to work. Or you're, and, and then you're going to be unhappy with the product thinking. Right. It's not working. But well, this doesn't cover. It does and it makes a difference but it but only covers so much correct it's like putting um a band-aid on a stab wound yeah and being like why isn't this working correct well it's because you need more than just a band-aid correct okay so <clears throat> if you're gonna cover use a peach concealer and then okay. a regular concealer or a foundation mm-hmm. whatever you want mm-hmm. if you're going to fix the problem and treat it first of all drink more water because you're probably dehydrated almost everyone is drink more water that's gonna help yep secondly remove all of your eye makeup every single night if you wear makeup take it off oh if you just have to use a makeup remover wipe that's fine do what you have to do but make sure that you take it off because the more that you have sitting on the skin the more compromised the skin barrier becomes the thinner the skin becomes and then you'll be able to see the dark circles even more okay yeah um another thing that's gonna help is getting more sleep Yep. The more sleep you get, the better, the more well-rested you look. It's yep. just, it's science. Yep. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I already do all of these things. Like, how does this apply to me? Okay, that's fine. Some people have dark circles that are hereditary. Um, that means you're just going to have them, and that's who you are, and it's part of your genetic dynamic. So, what I recommend for you <clears throat> is there is a cream from Benefit called um it's potent which is a very very 
long-term solution. Do not expect results within the first couple of weeks. It's going to take probably at least three months. It's an eye cream. You put it on day and night. I recommend keeping it in the fridge. It's going to reduce puffiness and things like that. Nothing better. And it's so cool. And I know that it's... um, I wish I had been taking better care of my skin Mm -hmm. a lot sooner because I wouldn't have to be doing so much effort now or I would be better at doing. And And you don't have to backtrack. Right. One thing I really wish I was better at was taking care of my skin. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not perfect to this day by any means, but better. And I wish I'd just been better all along. Right. Um, It would have made things so much easier. Yeah. Um, It wouldn't be so dry and so wrinkly like a raisin. (laughs) God. Um, another thing, also from Benefit, they have this thing called Puff Off, um, okay. and it comes in a tube, and the tip of it is shaped like a little iron, which is just the cutest, um, but I that have one, cute. actually, and I use it every day, I keep it in my fridge, and I turn on my Keurig in the morning, and then I stand by my Keurig, and I hold it, and I squeeze it, and rub it under my eyes. Yeah, it's all about the multitasking. Exactly. I mean, that's what it comes down to. So, is... like, because you have to wait for your Keurig to heat up anyway, so... Yeah. I'm just going to stand there and put on my eye cream until I can start my coffee. Yeah, fine. Um, but it's great. And it, it has a serum in there that um, reduces the look of puffiness and dark circles, especially if you keep it in the fridge, within five minutes. Right. And it's so great. So I highly recommend that. It's going to make your life so much easier. Um, and it does have a serum in it that will treat over time also. So with continued use, you should see a little bit less of those dark circles. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to touch on is creasing in your concealer. If I had a fucking dollar for every time somebody came to me asking why their shape tape creases, I would be, we would have the Golden Oaks homes. First of all, any liquid on top of wrinkles goes into wrinkles. Yeah. Imagine taking like, like cake icing and smearing it in your elbow crease. Okay. And then you bend your arm a whole bunch of times. What's going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? Where's that icing going to go? Right. It it's, creases. It's going to go either right into the crease or it's going to separate and it's not going to be in that crease anymore. Right. That's how it works. Right. It's, so. You, your face has creases. Everybody has under eye, quote unquote, wrinkles. Yeah. It's going to happen. I mean, yeah. It doesn't matter the age. We've had them. Um, and anything going right up underneath there. Mm-hmm. Especially a cream, if it's hydrating, if it has coconut water in it. If it has any kind of oils in it, it's going to move. That's how it goes. Yeah. I mean, um, it's it's definitely, like, very frustrating when, when people think that, don't realize that things are just normal. Right. Like, you know, even though I might set my under eye with a translucent powder, which I do, which everybody should be doing, a loose, right. you know, translucent powder... And tried my best to not make any crazy faces in the meantime. Uh By the time my day is done, is it less creasing? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Why people don't want to use powder on their face, I will never freaking understand. I I think it's because they're applying it wrong and have had a bad experience. Well, but I hear a lot of, well, I'm this age, so now I have to stop using powder. And I'm like, why? That's not how this works. It's not how this works. Um... <clears throat> you should be setting your makeup with powder. Yes, absolutely. Period. It has nothing to do with how it's going to lay in your lines. Your makeup's going to lay in your lines no matter what you do. Yep. Powder or not powder. So my biggest thing with, with creasing is you can't, you're never going to stop it. It's not going to happen. Right. You can diminish it. You can make it look, appear less, which is exactly what Stephanie just said. If you set your under eye, especially, okay, so... 
if you're if you have really bad under eye wrinkles or you feel like you're creasing is just constant. Right. You don't want to use a cream base. Creams move more. Right. So you want to use something that is liquid and will dry completely. Right. Okay. So I recommend like the Pro Longwear from Mac. It's a really really good one. Um, that's a liquid. So you want to take one pump of that. Don't ever use more than that. Dab oh it on gosh, the under yeah. eye and then one eye at one at a time. Okay. While that's still wet. Take a sponge and some powder and put that over the, the liquid, okay? So the liquid is wet. You're taking a dry powder and putting it on the wet liquid. This is making like a sandwich on your face. Right. Okay? Yeah. So it's going to help the liquid to dry faster. Then you brush off the excess powder once it's completely dry, and it'll hold everything in place for the most part. Yeah. <clears throat> then you want to use a setting spray and move forward with your life, okay? That's one way to do it. Another way is to use a primer underneath your concealer, I recommend an eyeshadow primer because they are made for eyes, which, oh, wait, what is it? Oh, they crease. Right. (laughs) Yes, so that's a huge trick that I've been trying, especially with women of certain age range or women who have that main concern. Mm -hmm. Then, like, use your, you know, do your foundation, do everything, Mm -hmm. but in between that, put your eyeshadow primer underneath there. Mm -hmm. Not a cream-based one. Nope. Um, you know, they have paint pots, which are amazing, but our 24-hour extended eyewear, like something like that, that's this wax mm-hmm. or silicone-based mm-hmm. product that fills in those gaps mm-hmm. is going to be your best bet for the under eye. Mm-hmm. And it blurs it out, and it's beautiful. Makes everything look nice yeah. and smooth. Yep. Absolutely. <clears throat> so primers and setting, that's the best way to handle your under eye creasing. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's all I got. That's my, my only rant this week. Perfect. Yeah. Well. Okay. Um. Um, yes. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah. Please. please. Do the thing. Do it. Um, follow us on Twitter, fampod, F-A-M-P-O-D. Uh, Instagram is fampodcast. Yep. Um, email us your questions or message us or whatever, um, as far as skincare, makeup, beauty i think we may have a surprise guest next week um who could possibly give us some hair tips so if you have any hair tips send them in please a teaser i like yes um okay yeah i think that's all that i have very exciting so i guess we'll see you next to next thursday see you next thursday see you next thursday (laughs) okay bye. bye